1: I'm here today with Swati Martin. Swati is one of Africa's most recognized young leaders, influencer, and tastemaker. She's a serial entrepreneur, published author, certified yoga and mindfulness teacher, and former corporate executive at GE, where for 10 years, she had various roles in audit and controllership, finance, sales, and marketing, and business strategies. She was part of the pioneering Africa Dream Team and drove the expansion of GE's portfolio of businesses across Africa by developing the first Africa growth playbook for all GE businesses. In her last role at GE, she was the acting CEO for GE South Africa Technologies and director for GE Transportation for Sub-Saharan Africa. In 2012, she followed her entrepreneurial aspirations and created one of Africa's most admired brands, Iswara, a socially conscious gourmet tea company contributing to the reversal of the African commodity trap and promoting Africa's rich culture. Iswara has received numerous awards and recognitions for its excellence and was the first African food brand to be retailed at the prestigious Selfridges and Harrods. A consciousness activist, Swati launched Shift Within in 2017, offering online and offline personal development courses and events to promote and support the global inner revolution, which evolved into Tonche, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Global Consciousness Summit and Events in 2018. Events aimed at raising our collective consciousness to co-create a more compassionate world. To date, more than 2,000 people have had transformative life experiences through Shift Within and Sunshe programs and events. She authored several educational and mindfulness books for children and created the Loving Kindness BOMA, a platform providing resources to help cultivate a culture of love, kindness, compassion, understanding, mindfulness, introspection, and self-love within the family. Swati has been passionate about African leadership since she was a teenager and participated in the setup of several organizations, including the African Leadership Network and Africa 2.0. Since 2017, she is a board member of the African Leadership Institute, and she is a founding member of Facebook's Leaders Network, an initiative by the social media conglomerate supporting entrepreneurs in emerging markets. Swati, it is such a pleasure to have you here with us today. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm really delighted to be in conversation with you. Thank you so much, Swati. And
1: before we get even to our topic, uh, I'd like everybody to know how I know you. You were kind enough to invite me to an event last weekend and maybe just describing that in a few words would kind of help our listeners understand where we're beginning from today.
0: Yeah. So I, I um, host weekly uh, Racial Healing and Reconciliation Circle called the James Patterson Racial and Healing Reconciliation Circle. It's an event that's part of a bigger platform called Tunche, uh, which is the Global Consciousness Summit and Events. And every week we host... Um, people coming with diverse uh, perspectives on the topic of racial divide and harmony, really.
1: And I I had such a wonderful time with Swati on that, uh, on that program that that was what led me to invite her to come so that we can discuss a little bit about the topic of healing, the racial divide. And Swati, we have so much to talk about over the course of our upcoming interviews. I'd like to begin this first one with a story about your your life. Uh, It's such a fascinating story. So if you could just kind of take us through some of the major events that brought you to where you are today, and particularly on this, this topic about how you came to be involved in understanding race relations and bringing to it a consciousness of unity rather than divisiveness.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel that somehow my soul <laughs> incarnated in in this body and this lineage uh, of family, both on my mother and my father's side, uh, where race uh, relations and, you know, and everything around racial harmony has almost been, um, you know, kind of the... Uh, uh, the spine of actually my my lineage. so on my mother's side uh, I, I come from a multiracial background, multiracial but also multicultural background. Um, my both my grandparents on my mother's side are half African half European and uh, interestingly uh, it's it's uh, uh, you know in, in the context and, and I'll, I'll talk about that later but, my great-grandfather's my two great-grandfathers uh, on my mother's side were co- colonizers who came from europe and then met these gorgeous african women and uh, had children and and that's you know how my family was founded on my maternal side on my paternal side uh, my great great grandmother uh, was of German descent and her family immigrated to uh, the U.S. And she ended up marrying a um, black man. And, you know, at the time when um, basically all of, uh, all of the states, except I think for New Jersey in the U.S., were prohibiting uh, interracial marriage. So this is where my great-great-grandmother and my great-great-grandfather lived. And so already, you know, in these times, I feel that they were kind of pioneer of racial um, harmony in a way, or or um, race relation. And so, so that that's from that. And then, maybe a little bit closer to to me, my my father was a Black Panther Party member, and uh, who uh, ended up living in exile. All of his life, basically, from the moment he, um, you know, the the Black Panther Party was um, enemy of the state, and he had to escape uh, the U.S. and found himself in Africa alongside other of the Black Party Panther, the Black <laughs> Panther Party leaders like Stockley Carmichael, uh, who also ended up staying in Africa. So, so that's kind of the the story. Um, you know, the, the, the general, there is, of course, more to that, but it's kind of, I would say that's the backbone of where I came in. So literally, I was born into uh, this topic. And so it's, it's a topic that, uh, you know, I was always aware of. It's not something that I came to know about. It's, it's been actually defining my own uh, life in a way. It's been the canvas or the framework. One of the frameworks.
1: And where did you actually grow up, Swati?
0: Well, I mean, I've lived in now in uh, eleven countries. Um, when my uh, father, uh, my father met my mom in France, in Paris, and they then ended up uh, moving to West Africa, where I was born. And I grew up also in the times where West Africa was extremely uh, unstable politically. So, you know, the the, the region had coups and uh, civil wars, et cetera. So that then forced us to move from one country to the other. So when I was born, we lived in Liberia and then there was a coup. So we had to move to Senegal and then we ended up in the Ivory Coast. So I kind of also moved around so it was interesting to have both, you know, a father uh, being a fugitive where we couldn't, you know, until he passed away, I, I could never reveal his real name and I could never even tell his story. It's very recently he passed away in 20 um 2014. And it's actually the first time I could really speak about that because I grew up, you know, with with the fear that um you know, maybe he would get arrested and sent back to the U.S. and ended up in a prison. So, so yeah, so I, you know, that and political instability, you know, in Africa. And, and I would say because I came into a very, one very educated and also politicized family, uh, I experienced this uh, political instability as lack of leadership. And this is why Um, You know, as you you shared in my bio, I've always been very passionate about uh, African leadership and leadership in general. Um, And more recently, uh, one thing that I'm very passionate is what I call others have used the term as well before sacred leadership. So leadership is leadership is also another topic that, um, you know, I'm very passionate about. Because I've seen firsthand and experienced firsthand. Uh, what uh, bad leadership can create.
1: Well, that is definitely a topic that I think we're going to pick up on as we go further into our, our um, scheduled interviews. What I'd like to, what I'm curious about is what life was like for you growing up being from a multi-ethnic and, you know, we can use the term multi-racial uh, or biracial background. So did, what was it like for you growing up in these various countries with this amazing background, amazing story of your, your parents, your grandparents, you know, all of this and, and being obviously highly educated. So what, what was it like for you in terms of race relations? Well, I mean
0: the first thing is because we are also first of all very diverse uh, culturally so literally in my family we have almost we have almost every continent I think the only continent we don't have is Australia but already you know my my father is African-American and German Uh, my my mom is African and European and then you know all of her siblings Uh, have uh, married people from from various places. So we have Indian in my family, Uh, one of my uncle, um, late uncle was Chinese. So literally, I grew up in this environment where literally, um, I don't think there are two people in my family who come from the same place. Uh, and even if i look at my cousins now you know one is married with a canadian the other one with an italian uh, <laughs> so the third one with a portuguese and uh, so we've literally uh, my brother was married to a woman from botswana so literally we've brought uh, the united nations and you know the, our family looks like the united nations so i i already grew up grew up in this environment and it was very harmonious and i think for me uh Talking about, you know, what I, what I was saying before, my soul incarnating into this history, because within myself, I find so much harmony in that diversity. I know it is possible to create it outside. Mm. And I know because inside, and I can't even describe it, because for me, there's no separation within myself. There's no separation between the black and the white in me and the European and the African and, you know, and, and, and all of that, you know, there's no separation. So inside of me, it's just this perfect blend. And I know that because I'm embodying this perfect blend, I know it is possible to create it in the outer society if we were to embrace it, actually. And, And I, and I think that was one thing is because you know, as a kid, you come into this environment and it's so normal that there's not even a question of, well, so-and-so is like, is from there and and so-and-so is from there because everyone is from a different place and everyone is from actually many places. And so there was never really a a question or differences and and we blend perfectly. So if you come to one of my uh, family uh, uh gathering so we have african food we have german food we have polish food uh, we we have french food i mean literally we have a we have soul food we have you know so we have everything and everything is so um you know i would say it's it's so rich and for us we love it because it just creates so much diversity uh and and it's a celebration so our diversity we've you know it, in my family, we've seen it as as richness. So there was never even, you know, how you've seen certain, I've seen especially, um, you know, growing up or being in certain environments sometimes where people are, are very suspicious if you bring someone who, who doesn't look like the family. You know, and and people would be like, oh, we don't marry people like this in our family. And in my family, it, it's always been the contrary. It was like the more diversity, the merrier. So each time there is a new uh, there is a new culture brought in the family. For us, it was like, okay, you know, let's connect over food, and food is a big connection as well because at the end of the day, you know, everyone gets to experience that. So yeah, so so I would say you know, the experience of diversity, cultural and racial, if there is such a thing uh, as racial, has been very harmonious, very enriching. And very early on, uh, I remember when I was in primary school and I realized I was so different from everyone because of obviously having this story that you couldn't really tell, you know, so always being vague uh, and, you know, kind of creating even a story. And then just the fact that because you couldn't put me in a box, you know, you couldn't put me in any box. And, and I remembered uh, vividly thinking, sweaty, you have two options. Either you can feel a victim because you will never be like anyone, or you can just see it as, you know, yours, your special power, you know, or magic power, not power in the negative sense, but like your, your gift. And, and I chose the latter. I chose to, to view my diversity as a gift. And I think that, that's been fundamental to even my own self-confidence, self-esteem, and self-love. I'm, I'm very fortunate, um, you know, I score very high on these ones. <laughs> but, I, but I think it came from that choice. And that choice was supported also within my family because that's what I was experiencing around. You know, I I have to say I'm very fortunate as well to have to, you know, be born into the environment I was born into.
1: Wow. Well, first of all, I want to go to one of your family dinners.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'll have to diet before because I can tell you after a week you would have put on. (laughs) I've been with my family a month and a half and I've put on three and a half kilos.
1: (laughs) I think I'd be right there with you. <laughs> um, I want to ask you one question before we close out our first session together. And since our topic here is healing and spirituality, you made the ch- that choice within yourself to embrace diversity, to embrace all these things that might be considered conflicting in other contexts they are uh what what leads to something bigger and better in you i mean that's that's how i would describe this that your strength is through that diversity what could you how do you relate or how can you offer any suggestions to the divide that we see in society right now from your vantage point
0: well, I mean, I think what has been of tremendous, I would say has been a tremendous blessing for me, um, being from a family of revolutionary, my grandfather also was an, op- an opponent to the regime in Guinea. So, and and on my mother's side and my father being, you know, uh, a black uh, Black Panther Party member. So, you know, I come also from a family where there is always questioning of the, the the narrative around and that's definitely very strong with my father uh, and my mother as well where you know we never we're brought up to never take for at face value anything around and i mean if you think about it for me as a the imprint of my father's story where i see my father who fought for something that in my eyes was the right thing to do, which was for the liberation of black people in the US. And, and, and that made him an enemy of state. And so from that moment, you know, from very early on, I would say I was born into not trusting necessarily, you know, everything that I would hear and see around because I was like, it does not make sense how come someone who's actually doing some, something good, you know, and that's my, my, my child's mind, of course, as you grow older, you understand better. But I would say, even as a child, you're just questioning and saying, well, okay, so, every, you know, the government, the US government is saying he's, he is, you know, uh, uh, an enemy of the state. He's, you know, he's a bad guy in my, in my head. And I'm like, but this guy actually did something amazing and something good. So, so that for me, made it that I never bought into any narrative. And that came from that. And so I, I and and I was brought brought up that way as well to look around and to create my own narrative and my own beliefs and my own uh, understanding of things. And even my parents, I think that was also very strong because they're very independent people, both of them, and thinkers and very educated people. They Even their own beliefs, they never tried to push them on us. So we, we actually have very, uh, you know, with my mom, we constantly have very <laughs> animated debates because, you know, that was the culture. The culture was to question. the The, the culture in my family has never been to... Uh, why do you do this or you do that or this is how it's done it was what do you think and and my mom would say i know what i think but that's my own it's 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 my you know and to this day she still says you know mm-hmm. my life is my life your life is your life so you have to make your own choices you have to create your own beliefs and so coming to to why i'm sharing that is that i feel that a step towards racial healing uh and and healing that racial divide is to actually stop and and basically block narratives that are being pushed and basically come back to our wisdom our inner wisdom and that inner wisdom for me is is really the guiding principle is not someone said so and so this person did this and that is okay what is the humanity inside of me and what is this thing inside of me what does my soul says and i think that connection with the soul helps to see that we're not so different and for me that's really the starting point is just being open to that vulnerability and to say you know, I'm just going to have a clean page, blank page. What do I actually believe on each of these topics? And it does take time, because I think that's one of the things also today's people are so busy uh, that we're being pushed on narratives because we don't have to to think so much. The ideas are already prepackaged, and then you can just go to whatever media and then buy into the package. And so it does also require, I believe, to develop your own ideas and decondition yourself. It requires also a lot of silence and a lot of solitude, which is something you know I've cultivated for many years, spending time on my own in silence. So I've never tried to always fill my time with things and people, even as a child. Uh, and And sometimes I would even tell that, you know, it's a word I I don't use. I remember when I was a child, I used to tell my mother, I'm I'm bored, you know, because there was no, you know, my, my, I was brought up not to feel time. I was brought up to, okay, you're going to sit. And I remember I used to complain all the time to my mom and I used to say, mom, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. And, you know, they were like, okay, you know, you're just going to have to sit with it. And, and it's a word that, you know, I'm so grateful because I realized it's a word that I haven't used in, I don't know, like 25 years, 30 years, maybe, you know, that, that word doesn't even come, it's not part of my vocabulary. But that was because I was brought up to sit still and think.
1: That is a wonderful, wonderful answer, Swati. And it's... Uh probably a good spot for us to break from this session you and i have so much more to talk about so thank you swati martin for interview part one thank you bob and thank you everyone for listening this has been healing and spirituality in world
0: cultures with robert vetter Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.